Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hello, friends. Welcome to the June 16th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Did you think I was done recording these? Yes, I might have taken three weeks off, but it is a major week on the PGA Tour. So, of course, I was going to record an episode for this week's U.S. Open. Now, the Bacon Bets podcast, for the time being isn't going to be weekly like it was. It probably will return to weekly at some point. Um, But for the time being, as I kind of get going with this new job and sort some things out and kind of figure out my visa situation, hopefully move to the States here before too long, uh, these episodes are going to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more random. But if uh, it's a major week for, for a PGA Tour event, then you know that I will be recording one. So this week's U.S. Open being held at Torrey Pines, of course. I'm going to do an episode for that, my friends. So I got my full betting preview. I got my picks for who I'm on. I got three ball bets for the first round. I got prop bets. I got it all. Everything that you need. I got long shots. I I got guys with short odds. I got guys with medium odds. Everything you need to bet on the U.S. Open is going to be involved in this episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, but before I get started, because it's been a while since I've talked to you guys, quick note, the Maple Leafs have once again broken my heart, I don't know what I did to deserve, whatever life I lived before this, if there's any, if there's such thing as reincarnation, oh look, and there's Daisy, she wanted to join in a little podcast, hello Daisy, how you doing? I don't know what I did in a previous life to deserve to be a Toronto Maple Leafs and Atlanta Falcons fan, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I called it before the series started. I said, most likely, the Leafs are going to get up three games to O or three games to one, and then they're going to blow it, and then they went on and, and, and blew it. It's, it's year after year after year with the teams that I cheer for just ripping the heart right out of my chest. Thank you, Daisy, for standing right in front of the camera. I love it. What is... What's going on here? I like, and, and it's a great question because it's something that I've thought about before. Would I rather cheer for a team like the Detroit Lions and like the Arizona Coyotes, a team that I know is just going to suck year in and year out? Or is it better for me to cheer for a team that seems like they're going to be good every year and then every year they just rip my heart out in the most heartbreaking fashion possible? I honestly don't know which is better, but... For some reason, I'm a Maple Leafs and a Falcons fan. I tried to give up on being a Falcons fan last year. It didn't work. And by the way, now every time that I talk about the Falcons, I get people in my Twitter replies going, Oh, I thought you gave up being a Falcons fan. You're not allowed to be a Falcons fan anymore. Listen, I tried. I couldn't. It couldn't be done. Being a Falcons fan is in my blood. I'm here to stay. But it is what it is. The Leafs, of course, once again, broke my heart. In the most heartbreaking fashion possible. The other thing I want to talk about before I get into the picks here, I want to talk about this whole Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau thing on the PGA Tour. If you haven't heard, Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau have had a little feud going on since 2019. I think it started when Brooks was complaining about Bryson's um, slow play in, during an event in 2019, and it kind of built... Um, Built from there, and then during the PGA Championship, there was that famous video that got leaked. It went viral for about a day and a half of Kepka being just clearly distraught uh, from DeChambeau 
um, basically just talking in the background and walking behind him. And then that, that sparked the whole thing. And now everyone knows about it. Even non-golf fans know about it. First of all, PGA Tour took down that video within like a day and a half, which is one of the stupidest, stupidest things I have ever seen them do, but I fully expected it, and I knew that was going to happen. Like, the PGA Tour, do they not know how to market themselves? Like, the PGA Tour and the golf world always talks about wanting to grow the game and wanting to do this and that for the game and wanting to get more eyes on the game. How do you think you guys are going to do that? By being just stuck-up assholes? And you, you just want to try to advertise the purity of the game and the sanctity of the sport. No, that's not how you get eyeballs. You get eyeballs through drama, through storylines. I mean, the picture-perfect example of it is the one sport that really isn't a sport. It's the whole thing is drama and storylines. And that's the WWE. All of the WWE is completely built on storylines. There's no actual competition. Sure, guys are doing flips and doing some imp- impressive things like that. But there's no real winner or loser. But the fan base that that has built, solely based on storylines, even though people know it's fake, should be a sign for other sports that they need to get on that. But no, the PGA Tour brushes it aside, pretends it doesn't happen. Anytime you put a video up that it, that's interesting, a guy hitting a tee shot, dropping the F-bomb, the Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau drama, anything that's interesting that would attract the non-golf fan or the casual golf fan, the PGA Tour works its hardest to take that stuff down from the internet. These leagues need to learn from the NBA, where the NBA, if you, if you guys haven't noticed, doesn't do anything. If you, you can make your own highlights with NBA footage and put it on social media, and the NBA won't take it down because they understand that's free advertising. The idiots at the PGA Tour, MLB does the same thing. They don't understand that. They don't understand that it's free advertising. And then, of course, they were going to pair up uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka at the USGA. Allegedly, they reached out to Bryson DeChambeau and asked if he'd be okay with it. And he said no, allegedly, not proven. I think his agent came out and said since then that's not true, but who knows. Um, if it was true, they probably wouldn't have admitted to it. Um, so we're not going to see the Bryson Shambo and Brooks Kepka pairing, which I guarantee would have made a lot of people watch the first two rounds of the U.S. Open. A lot more people watched than what they would have if they would have done that pairing. So yet another missed opportunity by the golf world, whether it's the USGA's fault or Bryson DeChambeau's fault. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. They should be ashamed of themselves. As a big golf fan and better, I want the sport to grow, especially from a betting standpoint, and this is just a massive, massive, massive missed opportunity for them, and it sucks. So if the if there if the golf gods exist and if they have any sense of humor, they will make Bryson and Brooks paired together on Saturday or Sunday. Of course, if you don't know, they would have to have uh, basically the same score. They'd have to be next to each other on the leaderboard in in order to be paired up Saturday or Sunday. So slim, slim chance. But if it does, that would be absolutely must-watch television. Those are the two things I needed to talk about, man. Maple Leafs have broken my heart once again. I'm almost numb to it, but still I'm at the point where like every... like. Once every two hours during every single day, I just stop and I remember what the Maple Leafs did and I just shake my head and I go, fuck. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. How do you blow a 3-1 lead to the Habs? Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, so let's get in the U.S. Open here. Like I said, I uh, got, got my full preview here. I did write an article which was kind of a, a short form version of it. So if you guys have read that, my article at Bet Sided for that. 
um, then you probably know, well, you at least know who my top three picks are, but I'm going to go into those in more detail and give my full preview for the event. And for the first time on the podcast, uh, three ball odds for Thursday's round are already out. So I'm going to give you my guys, my three ball bets for the first round as well. So without further ado, let's get into the June 16th, the U S open special edition of the bacon bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Alright, so let's dive into the U.S. Open. If you guys didn't notice um, already, by the way, uh, unfortunately I had to end my partnership with um, BetUS. They were a great sponsor for like the month they had them, but now that I'm working for BetSided, I have switched from um, offshore books to legit books. So no more BetUS, no more, no, no more sponsorship. I'm just uh, doing it for the love of the game at this point until I find a sponsorship. Um, or until I uh, maybe I can get partnered with uh, with a regulated book in the United States once I move down there. So for the time being, I'm recording this podcast simply for my enjoyment and for your enjoyment. No sponsor. So with that being said, let's get into the U.S. Open here, friends. You all know by now that it is being held at Tory Pines. So Tory Pines hosted the U.S. Open one other time in the history of the event. It was back in 2008. And you golf fans uh, know this uh, event quite a bit, the 2008 version of it, because it was the famous event where Tiger Woods had an 18-hole playoff with Rocco. How do you spell his, or pronounce his last name? Mediate, I believe. Rocco Mediate. Um, Rocco, of course, he was an older guy. He was a super long shot. Tiger had to birdie the 18th hole in the last round to tie Rocco. Um, and back then, they've since switched this, but back then... When two players tied, it wasn't just a sudden death. Or now, it's a, I think it's a two-hole aggregate playoff. They did a whole... Uh, a whole extra round on Monday, which I wish they didn't get rid of that. I understand why for TV reasons, but uh, that was absolutely electrifying. And if my memory serves correct, um, they actually tied at the end of that as well and then had to go in a playoff and then Tiger won in a playoff against Rocco. Um, that was the last major the Tiger won before everything went down. And then I guess the last major he won before the 20, 2019 Masters. But um Outside of that, obviously, Torrey Pines hosts what is now known as the Farmers Insurance Open every single year. So this is um, something we have a little bit of advantage as a better as betters that we don't normally get at major tournaments outside of, of course, the Masters, where there is an annual event also hosted at this course um, that we can so we can use all the information at the Farmers Insurance Open in past years to see what works and what doesn't, who's played well there in the past, who hasn't played well there in the past. Um, all of those things. So there are going to be a few differences with it being at um, at Torrey Pines, a, a few changes from from uh, from the Farmers Insurance Open this year. So the Farmers Insurance Open is, to be fair, so there's two courses at Torrey Pines. There's the South Course and the North Course. So three of the four rounds at, during the Farmers Insurance Open is at the South Course, which is where the U.S. Open is played. One round is the North Course. So if you can specify the stats on the South Course, that's what you want to do. But regardless, if you look at full event for Farmers Insurance Open, it should be pretty accurate because, like I said, three of the four rounds are played on the South Course. Um, when it was held here in 2008, Tiger Woods won it. It was actually called the Buick Invitational last uh, back then. And then he won it, uh, won the U.S. Open at Torrey Ponds uh, a couple of months later. So 
if you subscribe to that theory, you might want to take a look at Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed won this year's Farmers Insurance Open. If he does the same thing as Tiger did, then he could win uh, the U.S. Open here at Torrey Pines as well. But there are a handful of guys who have won pe uh, previous events at Torrey Pines who will be competing this week. Most notably, John Rahm. He's the betting favorite, and for good reason, because he has dominated uh, every single time that he's competed in the Farmers Insurance Open. Um, I think in f four or five events he's played in it, and I think the worst he's finished is 11th. He won it his first year playing it, which I believe was in 2017. Um, yeah, so take a look at how guys have performed at the Farmers Insurance Open in past years, and you'll get a decent idea how well uh, they will play this week. But a, a few major significant changes. One, it's usually a par 72. They moved one of the par 5s into a par 4, so it's going to play a little bit longer. And of course, in true US Open, USGA fashion, the rough is just absolutely treacherous. I'm so sure you guys have seen the videos out. Um, the rough is deep. You drop a ball in the rough and you can't see it anymore. It just disappears into the grass. So, yeah, those are the small changes. But other than that, it's going to play the same course. One par 5 is now a par 4, and the rough's going to be quite a bit thicker. But that key about the rough will be important here. I'm going to get into that um, a little bit more here in a second. Um, of course, we get the Phil Mickelson. He has the, he has the opportunity to complete the career Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. He has the three other majors. The only one he's missing is the U.S. Open, and I think he has five or six second-place finishes at the U.S. Open. He's just been snake-bitten here, but now he just won the PGA Championship. So does he, have a sh does he have a shot this week? He has a shot. I won't say he won't. Is he going to win? Probably not. I'm going to get more into Phil Mickelson here in a bit as well. But as I mentioned, it's par 71, 7,643 yards long. Very, very, very long course. Um, driving distance is going to be way more important than driving accuracy this week. Now, that seems kind of obvious in a longer course, but even sometimes in longer courses, um, guys who don't hit it near as, quite as long can still compete and still do well. Perfect example, Patrick Reed at the Farmers Insurance. Patrick Reed is not a long hitter. Um, but he won the Farmers Insurance Open here this week. But the big difference with this being the U.S. Open, like I mentioned, thicker rough. So those short hitters, the issue with them is, yes, they may hit fairways at a higher rate. But those times where they do miss the fairway, they're going to be fucked. Because normal rough, let's say a short hitter misses the fairway. They're 200 yards out from the green on a long course. Normal rough, you can still bring out... Um, a long iron and still get along the green from the rough but at the u.s open here at torrey pines with how thick the rough is this week if those short hitters miss the fairway they they have little to no chance of making it to the green hitting over this deep 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 thick rough so torrey pines long hitters usually have an advantage but it's even more um uh even more apparent this week so that is the main reason why i'm actually going to stay away from patrick reed despite him winning the event earlier him being a shorter hitter is going to hurt him more this week than it did during the Farmers Insurance Open. Um, approach shots. Even if you hit the fairway, approach shots are going to be long. So this is a very interesting stat. This was tweeted out by Justin Ray Golf. Um, Justin Ray on Twitter. By the way, quick side note. There, if you're betting on golf at all, there, and I shouted one of these accounts out earlier today. By the way, these guys don't follow me. These guys don't pay me for this advertisement. This is just me telling you guys good sources for golf betting information information justin ray is a must follow and the other guy who just popped up just a few weeks ago who i've absolutely loved his stuff um as well is pga splits 101 i believe that's correct let me just double check that here uh, but i tweeted this guy out earlier today saying 
if you got follow if you uh it's a he, yeah this guy's a must follow if you bet on golf great stuff here i said yeah at pga splits 101 he tweets out he grabs a lot of information that isn't obvious and he puts things together some kind of niche um some very niche kind of statistics that that are very core specific so justin ray golf pga splits 101 must follows on twitter um must follows on Twitter if you are betting on golf. By the way, I'm, I'm I'm on Twitter here. I'm getting distracted. Someone just tweeted at me about, did Matt Harvey get lit up again? Did I win my bet? <laughs> Matt Harvey gave up. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was all him, but the Indians now have <laughs> six runs and it's at the top of the sixth. I mean, you have to blindly bet opposite team totals when Matt Har- Harvey is starting. I know this is not related to golf whatsoever, but like, Matt Harvey, it's does he have does he have blackmail on MLB owners or something? How is he still a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball? Um, I gotta remember to tweet that out afterwards. Um, that was an easy bet. Um, but yes, back to golf here. Uh, though, yeah, so those two accounts you gotta follow them. Great information. Why I brought this up is because Justin Ray tweeted this out earlier this week. So fifty one percent of approach shots hit by winners at the South Course at Torrey Pines have been 175 yards or longer. The PGA Tour event averages 42%, so almost 10% more of approach shots hit by winners are uh, 75 yards or longer. So guys need to be good with their long irons this week if they want to compete at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Absolute must. And he also included this in the tweet. Top four golfers at approach shots that are longer than 175 yards. you got number one, John Rahm. Number two is Xander Shoffley. Number three, um, Bryson DeChambeau. And number four, Webb Simpson. Um, so here are my five key stats uh, for the event this week. Now, I actually did change one of these because I put these in my, my betting preview, my written pre- betting preview for bet side of it as well. Uh, but I did change one of them since then. Uh, but driving distance, still in my opinion, I think that's the most important thing this week. Even if long hitters miss the fairway, if long hitters miss the fairway, they're going to have a lot easier, a lot better of a chance of reaching the green on their next shot than short hitters who miss the fairway. Like I said earlier, short hitters who miss the fairway are going to be fucked. They're going to be lucky to save par. Um, and then we're looking at approaches from 175 to 200 yards out. You can also look at approaches from 200 yards out as well, but they're probably going to be pretty similar. Rough proximity. So that's just how close guys get on their approach shots when they're from the rough obviously going to be important that's going to give us just a general idea of how good guys are out of the rough with the rough being this thick we need guys who are at least competent in doing that uh bogey avoidance so i had in my written preview strokes gained around the green i switched that because really i mean it's not like it's a difficult scrambling course around the greens i switched that to bogey avoidance because really just being able to avoid bogeys even though they both kind of somewhat measure the same thing just avoiding bogeys at this tough track um, is going to be important. And then finally, strokes gain putting. Obviously, we want to look at that every single week. Um, so that's my quick little preview as far as the Tory Pines, the event, things like that. Let's get into my picks. Now, like I said, if you already read my written pre- betting preview, you already know who, who these top three picks are. So I won't spend too, too much time on them. And even if you haven't read my betting preview, you know who my number one pick is going to be. You guys know, real ones know. It's going to be Xander Shoffley. Once again, I'm addicted to betting on this man. I can't I can't not bet on him. Also, by the way, quick note, 
The odds I'm betting on are slightly different from the odds in my written preview. The odds in my written preview are as per WinBet, which is the sportsbook that's uh, partnered with uh, BetSide. I can't use WinBet because I'm still in Canada. I will use WinBet when I move to the States. But I'm using um, odds at a undisclosed sportsbook. Let's let's put it that way. But I have a, a actual reason why I can't use win bet. So the odds I'm listening or I'm going to list on this podcast are the ones I'm actually betting. The ones in the article are on win bet. I can't use win bet, so these are the ones I'm actually betting. Xander Shoffley, 18 to 1. I'm addicted to betting on him. And I know as soon as I don't bet on him to win a major, I think I've bet on him to win a major like the last five years straight, like all every single major. Um, I know the first time I don't bet on him to win a major is going to be the major that he's going to win. Um, but this is his home course. Torrey Pines is a home course. He grew up, or he grew up, I think, 15 miles away from the course. Played a lot growing up. He actually did have bad results at Torrey Pines at the Farmers Insurance Open up until this year. He actually finished second at the event this year. So hopefully, he kind of turned that narrative around a little bit. Um, tied for 26th in driving distance. That's key. He's also one of the best putters on tour. He's actually eighth in strokes gained putting. And as of the Memorial Tournament two weeks ago, he started. Uh, the arm lock um, style of putting. So the arm, I'm not an expert on this, but the arm lock is a style of putting. I'm not going to get into the specifics. Because like I said, I'm not an ex- expert. I don't want to sound stupid uh, kind of when I break it down here. But it's a, it is a hotly debated topic on the PGA Tour. A lot of people, most people think arm lock putting should be illegal. Um, but as of right now, it's not. And it's the type of putting that Bryson DeChambeau uses. Of course, DeChambeau, we all know him. He's going to kind of, I'm not going to say bend the rules because there are no rules against it, but um, Xander basically said, I think it should be illegal, but if it's not illegal, I'm going to start using it because it's clearly an advantage. So Xander, now using the arm lock putting, his eighth in strokes and putting, it should only help his putting. Home course, he's a good driver, fantastic iron player, and he's been great at U.S. Opens in the past. Now, to be fair, U.S. Opens obviously changed courses, so you don't want to put too much stock behind that, but at the very least, it shows you he's good at USGA-style courses, which are always going to be longer, are always going to have thick rough, are always going to be very difficult. He's played in four U.S. Opens in his career, and he's finished in the top six in all four. That's very good. Um, Also, fourth in strokes gained on the West Coast. So that's a a stat that that PGA um, Splits 101 guy tweeted out earlier this week. I shouldn't say guy. I assume it's a guy. Who knows? Maybe it's a girl. I don't know. Um, he put out the top guys in the field, the rankings of everyone in the field and how they played in West Coast events. Now, you might say West Coast doesn't really make a difference. It kind of does. The types of grass they use is a little bit different. The styles, of course, is a little bit different. The greens are usually Poana greens um, on the West Coast. And Xander Shoffley, being that he's a San Diego native, being that he grew up on the West Coast, it makes sense. He's done well at courses that have been on the West Coast, fourth in the field this week, strokes gained on West Coast courses, and he's seventh in strokes gained putting on Poana. Notice, by the way, I finally nailed the pronunciation of that word. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I used to pronounce it Poa Anua. No, no, no. I have nailed it. It's Poana. Seventh in strokes gained on Poana. And then I like Patrick Hantley, 26 to 1. I mean, these are the two guys that seem to be addicted to betting on every single major, Xander and Patrick Hantley, because a lot of their stats are very similar. Um, Patrick Hantley is actually coming off a win hitting into this tournament. He won the Memorial Tournament there two weeks ago, so he's clearly in very good form. He's fourth in total strokes gained. So just besides the fact that I'm a Patrick Hantley fan and I always like betting on him, he's like 13th on the odds list at 26 to 1, but he's fourth 
on the PGA Tour and total strokes gain. So even if you're not a big Patrick Cantlay guy, if you're not biased like I am, 26 to 1 on the guy who's fourth in total strokes gained is a very, very, very good value. 15th in strokes gained off the tee. Tied for 20th and approaches from 175 to 200 yards out. 55th in driving distance, and he's also third in strokes gained on the West Coast. So the top two guys I'm betting on, I'm not betting on them solely for this reason, but it does kind of support the bets a little bit. Patrick Cantley, third in strokes gained on the West Coast. Xander is fourth. Very interesting. And then my long shot pick for this week, Sam Burns at 90 to 1 plus 9,000. Uh, still being a little bit of an underrated golfer, despite a very, very strong season. He won the Valspar Championship. He's a young guy. I think he's only 24 years old. But listen to these stats. Very good. 30th in driving distance. 12th in approach shots from 175 to 200 yards out. T20 in rough proximity. T25 in strokes gained putting. And he finished T18 at the Farmers Insurance Open this year. So he's already done well at Torrey Pines. I believe that was his first start at the Farmers Insurance Open as well. So I think that's a fantastic bet at 90 to 1. Am I saying he's going to definitely going to win? No, obviously not. But if you want a long shot bet, someone around 100 to 1 odds, you Sam Burns is the guy to go with and I'm very confident in saying that. Now, I've also have an uber long shot. Um if you want to drop a, a buck on this guy, a loony if you're Canadian, John is it Jonathan? I always thought it was Jonathan, but there's no h. I'm just going to say Jonathan anyways. Jonathan Vegas. 225 to 1. I'm not going to bet on him to win. I'm going to bet on him to make the cut at plus 105 and top 20 finish at plus 450. Make the cut plus 105, top 20 finish plus 450. But hey, if you want to get crazy, his odds to win are 225 to 1. Um, main reason why I like him, he's a fantastic driver of the golf ball. T14 in driving distance, fourth in strokes gained off the tee. T49 in approaches from 175 to 200 yards out. He has lots of experience at Torrey Pines. He's played there almost every single year since 2011. He has three top 20 finishes, including a third place finish. Uh, so I think there's some value on that. And I didn't write it down on my notes, but I'm pretty sure he's actually played well in recent events too. Let me quickly look this up here. Jonathan Vegas. He's Colombian, I believe. Is he? No, Venezuelan. Sorry, my mistake. Um... Yeah, Paul. Yeah, last week's Palmetto Championship, he finished T2. Uh, Charles Schwab challenge before that, T69, so he at least made the cut. T9, two weeks before that, or a few weeks before that, Byron Nelson. Yeah, so I mean, two of his last three starts, he's finished in the top 10, so great form as well. So if you're looking for an even, if you're looking for a ridiculous bet that's not going to hit, 225 to 1, John, Don, Jonathan Vegas, but like I said, I like him. A lot. Him to make the cut at plus 105 might be my favorite bet of the week, to be completely honest. Absolutely love that bet. And then I'm going to take a little flyer on him to finish in the top 20 at plus 450. Um, so before I get into my prop bets and my round one three ball bets, I wanted to talk about some other golfers here um, that you guys will probably want to just know my, my opinions about. Um, I'm not going to go through like I do for past majors and talk about every single one, but I'll talk about notable guys. John Rahm, favorite 10 to 1. I already talked about him in the past um, at, at the start of the episode there. He's favorite for good reason because he's just dominated um, at Torrey Pines. Almost every single thing you look at for stroke scan at Torrey Pines, he's first in the field by long shot. And he was about to basically run away with uh, the Memorial Tournament there two weeks ago. And then you all know what happened. He had the positive COVID test after the last round when he had a six-stroke lead and then had a withdrawal from the tournament. Just terrible luck thoughts and prayers to anyone who had a john rom ticket that week because there was no way he was blowing that six stroke lead on on sunday 
So great form and he's dominated Tory Pines. He's deserving of being the favorite. Um, but I'll never take the favorite uh, at a major tournament. Brooks Kepka 17 to 1. I don't hate Brooks Kepka this week. Obviously always brings in a majors. I don't think he deserves to be second on the odds list. Bryson DeChambeau, he's also 17 to 1. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau missed has missed two times he's played at Torrey Pines he missed the cut both times which is not promising but the thing with Bryson DeChambeau and I've brought this up about him in the past um, and Rory McIlroy said this in an interview which is kind of what turned me on to it his biggest advantage is not his distance his biggest advantage is being able to hit it out of of thick rough and the reason why is because as you guys know and I'm sorry if you've heard me talk about this before but it's, it's worth repeating all of his irons and wedges are the same length he does that because it allows him to duplicate the same swing no matter what club he's using. But another advantage he gives him is his wedges are way longer. Because I think all his clubs, I think, are the length of a 7-iron, I think. So his wedges are way longer than everyone else's wedges. So when he's like 120 yards out and he's using a wedge, that extra length of the wedge compared to other golfers allows him to create more club head speed. Higher club head speed allows you to get it out of the rough a lot more clean than you would if you're using normal sized wedge. So he that being able to create the extra speed with a wedge helps him a lot out of the deep rough compared to other golfers. That's a big reason, in my opinion, why he won at winged foot last year at the US Open. Because we know that had very thick rough as well. All US Opens do. The USGA loves making the rough super thick. But that was his biggest advantage. He, and he won the US Open at winged foot by like six strokes. So I'm not going to bet on Bryson DeChambeau. And a big reason why is because... I'm now a Bryson hater after he apparently declined playing with Brooks. Um, but if you want to kind of bet on a guy who, who's like in the top three or four on the odds list, Bryson Shampoo I think, is a very good pick. I'm very curious to see how he's going to perform this week. But at the same time, Torrey Pines, he's miscut both times at Torrey Pines. Brooks Kepka hasn't been good at Torrey Pines either. He's played there three times, missed a cut twice, and the other time was like a 49th place finish or something. Uh, Dustin Johnson, yeah, he hasn't been. He played well last week, up until the last round, I believe it was, or maybe up until the weekend. I'm just not sold on on him right now, especially at that price. Spieth, Spieth's uh, lack of distance off the tee concerns me quite a bit with him, so that's why I'm going to stay away from him. Rory McIlroy just too inconsistent. Don't like him. You never really know what you're going to get from uh, McIlroy any given week. Morikawa, I wouldn't hate a Morikawa, but Morikawa is the single best iron player on the PJ Tour, and it's not even close. Now, his short game is, is what is what hurts him, especially his putting. That's what killed him in the, the final round of the Memorial there a couple weeks ago when Cantley took it. So, Morikawa's short game can hurt him, but if you want to bet on the guy, on the best iron player, bet on Morikawa 22-1. to 1. I would not argue against a Morikawa bet. Easily the best iron player in the world. It's amazing what he can do with an iron in his hand. Justin Thomas probably has some value at 22 to 1. His driving can get a little bit um, erratic at times, and that's why I'm staying away from him because if his driving is erratic this week and he has to hit it with that thick rough, that's going to be bad news for him. Uh, Tony Finau, you guys don't even need to, need to hear what I have to say about Tony Finau. You know. I mean, if the guy can't win a normal non major, he's not going to have the balls to you know, not choke at, at an actual major. So if you're going to bet on Tony Finau, do top 5 or top 10 or top 20. 
Uh, Patrick Reed, I told you I like Patrick Reed a lot. He won at Torrey Pines. He's historically always done very well at Torrey Pines, but the thicker rough concerns me because if he does miss the fairways because of how short he is, he's going to have a very hard time saving power when he misses the fairways. If he hits like 90% of fairways this week, he could easily win, win handedly. Um, but the, the extra thick rough scares me for Patrick Reed this week. Um, Hideki, we all know Hideki just, it, he's like Morikawa, but to the extreme, um, can't putt. If he puts it, if he puts his putting and chipping together for a week, like he did at the masters, he'll win. But I mean, he did that once over the past five years. Um, Phil Mickelson is 40 to one. That's ridiculous. Now, listen, I will hand it to Phil. I thought he was going to choke at the PGA championship. He didn't. He went on to win all the credit in the world to Phil Mickelson. And I like Phil. I'm a Phil fan. But I need to look at this from a betting standpoint. Now, 250 to 1, which is what he was to win the PGA Championship, he was probably undervalued there, and I kind of wish I tossed, tossed a couple bucks on it. But to, but from to go from 250 to 1, one major, and then 40 to 1 the next, that's an insane jump. I think Phil Mickelson should rightly be around 100 to 1. Because um, even, I mean, guys, he yes, he played amazing during the PGA Championship. Yes, he deserved that win. But if you look at his, like, that was, he didn't finish in the top 10 all season up until that weekend. If you look at his stats, he's still, like, 140th in total strokes gained. Um, can he put it together for another weekend? I mean, maybe. This is his home course. He is trying to get that, you know, complete that career grand slam. It would be a Cinderella story if he did it. I can't do it. I'm even going to bet on him to miss the cut um, as well, which I'll list off when I get to my prop bets here. But he's, what, plus 120 to miss the cut? I think that is fantastic value i don't think i can emphasize <laughs> how much i love that we're getting plus money on phil mickelson to miss the cut uh will zalatoris yeah yeah sure scotty scheffler i think scotty scheffler has value at 45 to 1 i like that um terrell hatton 45 to 1 i'd like to get his odds a little bit longer webb simpson 45 to 1 not bad not bad i mean mostly after that most guys I don't like Shane Lowry at 50 to 1. I think that's ridiculous. But most guys after that are priced right around where I think they should be. Um, so I don't really have too many strong feelings. Paul Casey might be interesting, 66 to 1. Tommy Fleetwood, he's like the English Tony Finau. I like him at 70 to 1 based on his stats and skills. Uh, but he's one of the biggest chokers on tour. Um, and I already gave you guys my super, super long shot there, Jonathan Vegas. So yeah, there, there's my thoughts on uh, most of the top guys there in the field. Let's get to my prop bets here, and then I'll list off my round one three-ball bets, and then we'll close the show. Prop bets. I don't have many for this week. Um, Phil Mickelson to miss the cut, like I mentioned, hundred or plus 120. He's just, I can't put too much value on one good week. Um, I mean, all the time. It's not, it's not like it's uncommon for guys who are ranked like 150th on tour to put together one really good weekend and um, and win an event. Phil Mickelson happened to do it a PGA Championship. He deserves that win. It was a fantastic thing to watch. I was fine with losing almost every bet I made that weekend because Phil Mickelson won. It was great. Um, I'm not banking on that to happen again, though. And then I'm going to take hole-in-one. Yes, so for there be a hole-in-one. Um, Richie Rowinski hit back-to-back hole-in-ones here. So at the his last par three in 2020 or 2019, whichever year it was, um, his last par three is on the eighth hole because he finished uh, on the he started on the back nine, hit a hole in one, and then his first par three at the course this year he hit a hole in one. So he hit back to back hole in ones on par three. So 
Um, the eighth hole is definitely hole in oneable, and then is the other one sixteenth? I forget. I should have wrote that down. But I, I, I think we got a good chance of seeing a hole in one this week. I like the minus one one forty for that. Um, and then I'm going to do a little fun bet between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, just head to head. I'm going to take Kepka just for to have a little action in this Kepka versus DeChambeau feud that's going on, and I can't cheer for DeChambeau because he's fucking soft. I can't do it. Uh, but if I'm talking just straight up from my brain, DeChambeau is first on the PJ Tour in total strokes gained this season. So technically, if you look at the statistics, DeChambeau is the best golfer on the PJ Tour this season. Kepka's fourth, though. I think he's like right behind him, so or third or fifth, something like that. I'll take Kepka just because I think he's a little bit more likable. How about that? Do 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 with that what you will. Um, so that's all I have for prop bets. Not many this week, uh, but I do have a lot of round one three ball bets. Usually I don't lock these until Wednesday night, but I figured I'd give you guys uh, a little extra juice here in the podcast. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven three-ball bets for round one. Um, Morikawa, plus 185 against Thomas and Kepka. Uh, Morikawa had the longest odds of the three. And basically in this group, whoever had the longest odds I was going to take. But I've already, you know, talked up Morikawa. Best iron player in the world. If you're going to give me plus 185 odds for the best iron player in the world to win his group, I'll take that every single day. Uh, Horschel. Billy Horschel, plus 125 against Kevin Kisner and Matt Kuchar. Um, Kevin Kisner and Matt Kuchar are two very short hitters. Not a good week to back short hitters. I will take Billy Horschel, plus 125, easily. Um, and then I got Xander Shoffley, uh, plus 110 against um, Mickelson and Max Homa. I already talked about Mickelson. Max Homa's decent. Is he going to be able to beat Xander Shoffley on Thursday? I sure hope not especially because I have my outright pick on Shoffley too. So I'll take Shoffley plus 110 there. Fleetwood plus 150 against Brian Harmon and Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf is an absolute head case right now. It sucks because I, I like him. He's a, he seems like a nice guy. He's a fun and entertaining guy, but he is a head case right now. What are his odds to actually miss the cut? Because I know I bet on him to miss the cut of the PJ Championship or maybe he's the Masters. I think it was the Masters now that I think about it. Um, and there was some value there, but I bet you the value is probably gone. Matthew Wolf, Matthew Wolf missed the cut. Minus 165. You know what? I'm tossing that on. I still like that value. I'll take Matthew Wolf minus 165 as another prop bet. How's that? I'm just going to add that to my notes here so I don't forget to lock that in when I'm done recording here. Minus 165, miss the cut. Um, yeah, so Fleetwood plus 150 against Brian Harmon, Matthew Wolf. Brian Harmon's an accurate hitter, not a long hitter. Fleetwood kind of does well at these style of courses. I don't like Fleetwood to, like, do well, like, near the end because he kind of chokes on the weekends, but I think he should easily beat Brian Harmon and Matthew Wolf. Uh, John Rahm plus 120 against Leishman and Reed. That's a bit of a tough group, but I've talked about how much uh, John Rahm has dominated the Torrey Pines. I like him a plus 120 to win that group. Sam Burns, plus 120 against a couple of dusters, Kim and Detry, and that's not Siwoo Kim. Um, just great value on, on Sam Burns, who I think, uh, who I think styles fit, fits, fits the cores very well this week. And then Scheffler, plus 185. Scotty Scheffler's plus 185 against Spieth and Zalatoris. Um, I've talked about Spieth. I don't think he's, his, his length off the tee is good enough for this week. Scotty Scheffler's style of game kind of fits this course well. 
And then Zalatoris, I think he's a little overhyped. I think he's going to be a very, very good golfer, but I think how he performed at the Masters and last year's U.S. Open kind of clouded people's judgment on him. He's a very, very solid golfer, especially for his age, but I think he's a little bit overhyped. So I'm just going to go ahead and recap all my bets here, and then that'll be it. So I'm taking Xander Shoffley, 18 to 1 to win. Patrick Cantley, 26 to 1 to win. Sam Burns, 90 to 1 to win. And then Jonathan Vegas to miss the cut, plus, or sorry, to make the cut, plus 105. Jonathan Vegas, top 20 finish, plus 450. Phil Mickelson to miss the cut, plus 120. Matthew Wolf to miss the cut, minus 165. Uh, for there to be a hole in one, yes, minus 140. Kepka head to head, full tournament. Minus 110 against DeChambeau. And then my round one three-ball bets are Morikawa, plus 185 against Thomas Kepka, Horschel, plus 125 against Kisner Kucher. Shoffley, plus 110 against Mickelson-Homa. Fleetwood, plus 150 against Brian Harmon and Matthew Wolf. John Rahm, plus 120 against Leishman-Reed. Burns, plus 120 against Kim and Detry. And Scotty Scheffler, plus 185 against Spieth and Zalatoris. There you guys have it. It's good to be back talking into a microphone like a lunatic. Uh, who knows when the next time I'll record the next episode. If I, I mean, if I feel like it, if I have things to talk about, then I'll, I'll record uh, next week. But I mean, that's another issue is like the main sports that I like to talk about and bet on aren't in action right now. I don't really care about the NBA playoffs, if I'm being 100% honest. Uh, MLB is fine. I could talk MLB. Euro, I, I mean, it's kind of hard to f- talk about how to handicap Euro, and I've kind of been shitty at it in general anyway. So college basketball season isn't here. It's done. NFL season's still a couple months away. Um, yeah, I just don't have really have too much to talk about other than golf. So I'll still do another episode here, definitely for the British Open here next month. Um, and hopefully I'll end up being in New York here by the end of the summer. But whether or not that happens is up to whether or not I can get a visa, which has proven to be more complicated than I initially thought. I am meeting with a lawyer this Thursday to hopefully get that figured out. I'm paying $300 so I can talk to a lawyer for an hour. Why I, why did I not try to go to law school to become a lawyer? Like, holy fuck. Could you imagine thinking your time is so valuable that you charge someone $300 to talk to them for an hour? <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> this has been the June 16th, June? Yeah, June 16th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. I love you all. Good luck with all your bets this week. Um, yeah, you got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> you guys will see my face a little bit more as Betside. It kind of gets established here as we get closer to the NFL season. I'm going to start doing videos and things like that a little bit more often. Um, right now, it's just a lot of writing as we build our SEO Pro. I don't need to get into this stuff, though. I love you all. I miss you all. I'll talk to you again soon. Best of luck with all your bets. And I'll talk to you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.